What's up? Welcome to the Part-Time Rockstar Podcast, episode 111. Today with my guest Daphne Ekman of Annapolis, Maryland. She is a solo artist currently working on her first full-length album, which comes out pretty soon. And I featured her song Cannibal on this episode. It's a live version, and you'll hear it momentarily. Um, I first heard her play it actually live at an open mic at Colt Classic Brewing, and uh, it was pretty phenomenal. She definitely stood out from the crowd that night, for sure. And uh, Colt Classic is actually where her next show is this weekend, uh, Friday the 18th. It's Colt Classic Brewing on Kent Island across from the Bay Bridge, or across the Bay Bridge from Annapolis. If you haven't been out there yet, um, I can't say enough good things about the place and what they're doing for music. Um, Rory runs uh, most of the music and is responsible for a lot of the good things that are happening there, but um, it's just a great place to either play or see a band. Um, and of course, they got some great beers too, so... Um, definitely find Daphne on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. You can find her info there and uh, certainly feel free to subscribe or follow the podcast as well, wherever you may be listening. If you're listening on Apple, it always helps to drop a little rating or review if you can, but if not, no worries. Um, but yeah, Daphne and I just uh, had a fun chat kind of about uh, her approach to songwriting and uh, we talked about her bass player and sidekick Graham and we talked about a lot of the other uh, people involved in the Annapolis scene like Scribe and Kabusi and uh, of course Colt Classic as well um, so yeah uh, hopefully whether you are a friend or a fan of hers you enjoy the conversation and uh, hopefully you yourself are doing all right out there, staying sane, staying safe, staying warm. Hopefully we're getting through the winter here, and uh, hopefully spring will break soon. We'll start getting some warmer weather in Maryland. Um, just got back from Florida, and uh, gotta say, it's pretty nice down there. Pretty tough to come back to the cold, but uh, anyway, without uh, too much further ado here, I just gotta say that this podcast is partially sponsored by Truly Strings. Uh, it's a guitar shop in Laurel, Maryland, and the guy, Steven, my buddy, runs it. I take all my guitars there, and he does a great job. So definitely check out Truly Strings on Instagram if you need a little help with the guitars. But, uh, yeah, without too much more rambling, we'll get to the conversation with Daphne Eklund. going on good how are you pretty good can't complain nice, nice. little lazy sunday 
I feel that. I feel that. It's a little busy for me. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. we could finally be doing this. I'm really sorry that I keep pushing it off and stuff. Just things keep coming up, and then I felt I was like, I don't have enough going on to promote, and I gotta. Like, but, yeah, no worries. Um, you playing uh, a show down? Uh, you said Virginia today, or? I'm playing in DC. Um, DC. Yeah, it's this guy uh, Steve who I met through this really weird little dinner party gig that I did, like super last minute private thing yeah. and um he hosts dinner parties at his house in dc or his apartment and um so this is the second one i did one in december with uh my base Graham, but we're doing it again tonight so we'll be driving up uh around like four setting up at five and it's just like yeah. his friend and he cooks a meal and like we just play and it's, it's nice that well, sounds chill sounds yeah. like uh hopefully some easy money but, yeah uh... for sure <laughs> They couldn't get the uh, event link working, so it was just kind of sketchy. It was like, I'll just have people like Venmo you directly. So yeah. when I was advertising it, it was like, just Venmo me 20 bucks. It seemed like super, yeah. <laughs> like scammy. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I think I'd been meaning to get you on here after, it was a while back, I played an open mic at Cold Classic, and uh, you were there. And, yeah. Uh, Obviously, I really liked your song, uh, Cannibal. It was impressive. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure you've uh, probably talked about that a little, um, you know, either on other podcasts or um, whatever. But uh, it's a cool uh, cool idea for a song, and it definitely comes out and grabs you. Um, I can definitely slap that on this episode so people can hear it if they haven't already. That'd be great, yeah, for sure. And then I noticed you also had a, another song out on Spotify as well um, that was like a live recording at uh, Kensington. Yeah, that was um, from, that was like pre-pandemic. Um, that was before like my band, before I had any of my shit together. Yeah. Uh, I was still in high school then. I was a senior. Um, so it's like, it, it was a song I'd written a while back and um, I had the Kensington guys um, play on it because I didn't really know anybody and they, they yeah. killed it, put it up on a thing. Yeah. That was cool as well. It's got the kind of Amy Winehouse vibe, maybe a little bit. Yeah, um, I was really into R&B, so yeah. I was trying to like, be here. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me too, um, there's this YouTuber that I uh, follow. Uh, her name's Ali Sherlock. She's uh, Irish. Um busker is she bust? yeah exactly yeah it's, you guys have a very uh, similar voice i feel like it's cool um funny thing about her though is i didn't i actually started following her because we were in dublin uh one day and walking around and we just heard her singing like you, you know if you hear her in person like you hear it down the entire like uh street basically where she's always at so we're like damn we gotta go we gotta check this out and then That's uh crazy. Sure enough, she has a obviously a pretty big following online. Turns out, so. yeah, she's a powerhouse. Yeah, it's she crazy. She comes up on Facebook all the time on like it's like Buskers International or like yeah. Irish Buskers in Dublin or whatever. And yeah, she's really good. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, I mean, I don't know what your influences kind of are other than um, R and B. Um, 
obviously you got kind of got a little bit of a folky angle maybe on on some of it but uh how do you feel so it's changed a ton um when i was like when i was writing sophomore and junior year like in high school trying to figure out my sound i was definitely listening to a ton of r&b like daniel Caesar yeah. and this guy uh lucky day was like one of my favorite artists He's, he still is but i my music taste has just like completely shifted from that soul r&b kind of um almost jazzy influences to uh i'd say like more folky country influences um like i'd say phoebe bridgers is one of my biggest inspirations um gotcha. just her lyricism is insane um I just love how she takes like the very specific experiences and but somehow they seem universal so yeah. she can um yeah I just admire her lyricism a lot and like how simple her guitar is I got into Pine Grove um so a lot of mm -hmm. like some of my more upbeat songs there's like this acoustic drive behind it that Pine Grove has and it's definitely that almost like folky I don't want to say whiny but like yeah. you have the a lot of like emotion and power behind that. Um, Peach Pit also is a huge inspiration currently for what I'm writing. Um, I was writing a lot of slow, sad acoustic stuff. I yeah. was in a sad little place, and it was like during <laughs> COVID, and I was just like, it was just what was coming out because um, there wasn't. I don't know. I'm better now, which is great because, and I can tell that because I'm writing more upbeat, positive yeah. stuff. Um, so that's that's good, but definitely like more country indie acoustic vibes versus the the R and B, which yeah. I definitely write. Yeah, I guess before I ask you if you have anything uh, new scheduled to come out or if you're working on anything, I. It's kind of curious, like when you, uh, I don't know, go about writing, you kind of think lyrically a little more, a little more melody. Like, how's, how do you uh, feel like your style works? Um, so I'd say that recently I've kind of realized that I'm definitely lyrically driven. Yeah. Um, so, because that's a lot of the stuff that I listen to. I'm a very, I like lyrics a lot. Like, yeah, I will same. Like, analyze for forever and like if i can if there's like a line that sticks out like i will listen to that song on repeat um but for me when i'm writing it kind of all vomits out like the the songs that stick are the ones that just like i write in like half hour max and they just yeah. like all come out on paper um with the guitar parts and and the um lyrics together so um it ends up I'd say that it's more lyrically driven. It's really important for my songs to like make sense and have that um, emotional, you know, meaning behind them. Yeah. But it ends up also the way that I'm, I write it just melodically kind of comes together as well. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, um, obviously, you know, running a podcast, I kind of have this discussion a fair amount even uh, outside of just regular, you know, bar conversations. But I've always been uh, definitely a lyrics first kind of guy when it comes to like my stuff or just oftentimes the stuff that I like. Um, my my favorite songwriter probably ever was in just like a folk punk band in Philly. And uh, it's kind of like anarchistic leftist folky 
whatever you want to call it stuff, but it's just, yeah, it's just the lyrics that grab you first and hook you in. And then you're like, it's almost like everything else after that is, is secondary. So. Yeah. It's what resonates. And that's funny that you say that because I've had this conversation recently with a ton of people. Um, and a lot of what I hear especially like when I'm playing originals at like a bar cover gig or something yeah. is people will want to hear the upbeat stuff because they don't listen to lyrics. They, they mm. like the melody and the feel and like my dad listens to the melody first, but that's just because he has hearing aids. So he doesn't like grab onto the lyrics immediately because yeah. he can't make it out. But um, it's, it's just so interesting how like lyrics are super, super important to me. So obviously I want people who hear my music to like grab onto the lyrics um but then there's other people who are like oh wow that chord progression is just really yeah. crazy and, and um i appreciate that too but it's funny because it's just completely secondary to me <laughs> yeah no i mean i think you're you're definitely you got something going because i mean even on cannibal i mean you're kind of dancing around the metaphors and also keeping it kind of raw and it it just brings you in um and it translates, you know, on something as simple as an open mic. I've always felt like, like, I don't know, if you're playing originals, like storytelling is just the key. Um, if you're playing to an audience who obviously doesn't know you most of the time, it's like, I always kind of got frustrated a little bit with sometimes with bands when they wouldn't kind of open up a little and just kind of like give you um, a lead in sometimes. Yeah. To like, hey, this is a song I wrote. I don't know. This is loosely what it's about, or maybe it's not. But just kind of like, you know, give me a little cookie or something. Give me a, like a reason to be interested. Yeah, um, I was, I was not very good at that at first. I'm, I'm still definitely yeah. learning like the banter and stuff. But I've honestly like, it's really hard being vulnerable. But people when I'm most vulnerable or I say something that I probably yeah. in the long run definitely shouldn't be saying in front of an audience about a song <laughs> or like yeah. them, um, that's when I feel like though I have the audience, if that makes any sense. Like that's when I feel yeah. like they actually latch. So, I mean, like I just say real out of pocket shit on the mic yeah. and they're like, yeah, we like that. So I totally get that. It's kind of liberating, you know, mm-hmm. I like to think that like, whether I'm the one singing or the, I'm in the audience, like I think everybody always kind of vicariously thinks of themselves probably as maybe the one singing when they're at a show, if they really like the artist or even if they don't, maybe they're just kind of there. So I think it's important. And um, I'm curious, uh, I guess, where you're taking things now. That's kind of my follow-up question as far as like recording, writing, I don't know, you got anything, irons in the fire, uh, Anything like that? So this year is like, it's really big for me because this kind of came out of nowhere, especially with COVID. I was just kind of at a standstill. I like was going to go to Towson. Then I dropped out of Towson before school even started because I was like, I don't want to, you know, be a freaking performance major and and not have classes in person. Um, And so I really the first year had no idea where anything was going. And then once the summer opened up and I put out, started putting out videos of songs I'd been writing it just like I went from like not gigging at all to I'm doing music like full-time right now which is crazy um and I actually just put down a deposit 
for studio time in March nice. for recording uh, my it's gonna be my debut album. Yeah. Um, I have like the song list and I have the, the inspirations and I have the band to back me up. Um, I, we formed it when we were doing a Kensington session actually. And um, it is me, obviously, <laughs> and Furnace <laughs> on bass and Robin Ekman, who's my uncle on drums and Crosby Kofod on electric lead and, um, yeah. and so I'm so excited for that. I've been, it's been in the works for like four years. I've been wanting to record an album for forever. And the song list has absolutely shifted from what it was four years ago because yeah. I'm writing so much. But um, I'm just so, yeah, I'm really excited. Awesome. So how many songs? And uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's so it's, it's 10 songs. But technically, there's like this one song that I wrote that is two songs combined. But it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of cool. I'm really excited because it's gonna um, be two tracks, but they're gonna fade into each other seamlessly. So it's gonna nice. be one track, and then like when you shuffle it, you can one or the other. I don't know. I I was getting ahead of myself, but um, there's definitely some of the super sad um, acoustic reverby folky pb bridgers vibes on some of them but yeah. with a full band backing um it it just has that drive it, it's yeah. um every single song that i write is honestly like a different different genre i like to think of them as like little snow globes um, yeah. at least since i've like been performing them for so long i kind of get to know the song they kind of have a character to them yeah. and they're all different you can't really like I find it really hard to like put it all in one genre because there's like a thread. Like I definitely write a certain way. There's definitely like, oh yeah, you can tell that all of these songs are written by the same person, but they all have very different vibes to them. So like there's this yeah. one song that's called Shape of a Man that's like super dark, um, has baritone, very a lot of reverb, um, really emotional. And then there's like a song I wrote called clothes that we wore which almost has like phoenix vibes like listomania yeah um, which is a little bit brighter um and i have uh shit what's it called synesthesia i have synesthesia so i think of songs anyway as like different different colors different yeah apes, i guess so like clothes that we wore is like this this coral pink almost kind of plinky i don't know what that means yeah <laughs> but it's plinky i couldn't tell you what that means <laughs> but shape of a man is like dark and swirly and like dark blues and grays and fog and stuff and yeah um, yeah it's just gonna be like a lot <laughs> you're gonna listen to it you're gonna be like what the hell did i just listen to which yeah. i guess that's that's the goal you know <laughs> sounds like we're in for an experience then um, um Oh, it's cool. You mentioned like maybe different genres or uh, different feelings about uh, doing every song. Uh, whoops, a little uh, differently and having a different uh, thread going through. Um, the only time I uh, attempted to write an entire album at once, um, I did purposefully think of each song having a subgenre because I just was like, I could write ten rock songs, which is kind of you know 
my wheelhouse. But then I was like, eh, let's try. Let's try like a, a blues rock, um, you know, like a hard rock, um, like a folk rock, a reggae rock, and like, and just kind of keep going that way yeah. to like give something a different feel or different style. For sure. I definitely tend to write the same song over and over again. And I think a lot of, like, everyone falls into it. If you're a writer, yeah. like, going to have to, like, push yourself to not write what you're used to writing. And that's yeah. kind of how you fall. I always write these, like, sad, strummy songs um, in, like, three, four that are just slow and, like, yeah. sad. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, it definitely takes a lot to, like, break out of that mindset and be like, okay, um, how can I, you know, change, make something new out of this? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's necessary. Like, the, the Drunk in Your Kitchen ampersand is, like, the super long song that's, like, two songs. And that one yeah. is deliberately sad and, mm-hmm. and three, four like that. But um, not every, I don't know. Just especially having other opinions and friends who are writing as well and taking it to them and being like, I have this, but yeah. I don't know what to do with it. And getting other people's opinions really helps. Um, and getting, you know, different musicians on it. Like, I'll have a song and I'll take it to the band. And after we get out of practice, it's a completely different song with a completely different yeah. beat. And it's not necessarily bad or... or um, it's just it's just different and it and it that's how like the world kind of creates itself this song world or yeah song snow globe per se (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i feel like i say this like every episode but it seems like among most writers like you probably go like 70 80 percent of the song or you probably get about that much together before bringing it to the band or to other people and then it's always like that last 10 to 20 percent really that can like push something over the edge or just change the dynamic in a cool way or or something like that i mean i don't know if if that's how you operate but it seems like most people probably do yeah i i definitely am a very rash person i see things very quickly and make quick decisions i'm like yeah yeah this this is done this is it and then i'll bring it to someone Uh, i'll bring it to my gram uh, my bassist and we like work on a lot of songs together so i'll like send him a demo and he'll be like eh. or he'll be like oh yes that's that, it that, that's the one so yeah. um you know gotta gotta surround yourself with people that humble you because for some reason yeah i always think i got the next hit <laughs> yeah, that's the way you gotta think of it you know it's uh star is born style you know just uh Twelve chords or whatever it is. Twelve. Uh, damn it! I, I brain fart. Something in the I, truth. <laughs> Three chords in the truth. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I was gonna ask too. Uh, uh, of the limited time I've seen you play, like you and uh, Graham, your bassist seem like you have a cool stage dynamic. You know, it seems like you can just tell you guys are good friends, and you know, music aside, yeah. sort of deal. Yeah. So I I actually met him at the cult open mic in like april of yeah. 2021 yeah or maybe i think it was actually a little bit before my birthday so it was like the end of march but we really hadn't known each other for that long and we just kind of hit it off like i've seen him places like on facebook you know you yeah. see a ton of missions if you're in the you know at all in the music scene um and eventually he was just at an open mic 
and we started talking um, and we had a lot of mutuals because um, my grandpa and uncle were in a ton of local bands um, and Graham liked those bands as well and like he met like my grandpa before he met me kind of deal so we just immediately hit it off Um, I started showing him my songs and he added bass and he was like have these harmony ideas but like i don't really know i don't really sing and i was like okay like like show me and like opened his mouth i was like holy shit this man's ear is insane um and yeah ever ever since like he's just it's this weird relationship where i feel like i've known him for my entire life and really it hasn't even been a year and he just knows me so well and knows what every song needs um and he's, he's fun to play with, too, because last open mic that I played, it was a couple weeks ago, and I just got this new Gretsch baritone guitar. Yeah. It is my favorite thing ever. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome. I'm basically only playing electric now because I love it so much. Um, but my strap fell off, like, mid-song. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I couldn't save it because it's too heavy, and I was standing yeah. up and I had to, like, sing. So I basically was just like, okay, guys, like, I need to put the strap back on. And afterwards, like, he was super supportive, like, noodled around while I was fixing it. And, like, we, you know, pretended that we were, like, I don't know. He's he's, he's great to play with. He's definitely a a good support system and has good ideas and will also tell me, like, when I'm being stupid, which I (laughs) Well, it's cool to have somebody like that in your corner, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, He's like one of my best friends, so it's it's cool yeah. to have that professional and personal relationship. Uh, are you playing solo today or duo or what do you? In duo, so yeah. it'll be Graham going up to DC. I have to put on a good playlist for the drive up. It's not yeah. that bad. I make him drive though because I'm driving days, so he can that... he can. Yeah, and then uh, are you Annapolis based or like Ken Island? Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm in Annapolis, so uh, I'm like 15 minutes from downtown. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I play a lot down there, and then every once in a while, I'll go over the bridge to Colt. Yeah, it seems like Annapolis really has its own little microcosmic scene. You know, it's uh, slightly different than Baltimore. I mean, it's very intertwined, but at the same time, you know, I've talked to uh, people like Scribe and and Kavusi on here, and. Yeah. Uh, it's got its own flavor, you know, its own uh, own little charm to it, I think, musically. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely new to the scene because I haven't been consistently gigging um, until, like, August of last year. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, like, it's like a weird thing, um, especially just navigating booking and, and um, yeah. meeting. But, like, me and Scribe, Aaron like he's so awesome like it's it's just such a support system like everywhere I go so um he's been such a support and like has shown me the ropes a little and like we've played shows together at 49 downtown um and like Charles Cavusi is awesome we played a show at Colt I opened for him in November um and he's just incredibly supportive as well and like any questions that you ever have, he'll like help you. Um, it's it's just a lovely energy when yeah. 
if, if you know, if you're a cool person, then <laughs> cool recognizes cool. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's just cool again that it's just so small, like the network. I feel like too, um, yeah. as opposed to maybe you know, like I said, like Baltimore or something like that, where it starts getting a little bigger. And I don't know if the support system is quite there. It's still small to more, as it were, but, you know, certainly a little bit bigger than than old Naptown. Um, yeah, it is crazy to, to think, like you mentioned, you've only been doing this like a year, given, um, I think, just like the presence that you have, uh, either stage presence or with songwriting. Um, you mentioned, I think a minute ago that you wanted to do theater in school, right? Or Yeah. Sorry. Wait, say that again. Sorry. I think you said theater. Where's oh it? yeah. So, uh, um, I wanted to do, I was going to go to Towson for jazz music performance because that was like the only, that was like the best fitting major they had for what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I applied to like Berkeley College of Music in Boston and Belmont in Nashville mm-hmm. just because I was really focused on the cities versus the schools. Like obviously the schools were important to me and the majors and like yeah. uh, what I was doing there. But also I wanted to be able to be like, okay, this is my school life, but I can also go in the city and, you know, make connections on my own. It was more, more for the connections. Um, COVID obviously put a damper on that because it was literally mid 2020. Um, and nothing is going on and college, like you're masked up and not, I mean, you're still masked up, but like, you're just not having the college experience, you know, if, if you're going to go, especially if you want to be a, a music major or, or something that has to do with like meeting people and hanging around people Yeah. just happening. And so I was just like, okay, I'm going to take a gap year, take some time, like work. I was working at a coffee shop at the time, uh, just like focus on writing. And um, I wrote a ton. The open mic at Colt kind of happened. I, my friend was hosting it, Gage, who I think. Yeah. I've talked to him on here before and obviously yeah. there. Yeah. He, um, and he was hosting an open mic. And then I was like, oh my God, this is the first time that I'm playing in like six months. And I barely ever play in front of people. And I went by myself over the bridge for the first time. I was so anxious. That... I had like a panic attack because it had been so long since I'd played. But I didn't know what a panic attack felt like because I've never had a panic attack. So I just thought that I got like secondhand high. And that... I was like, I have to play. And I'm like high right now. And I was freaking out. And I'm like, yeah. But um, that open mic definitely like gave me the courage. It's so supportive. It's such a great little venue. Um, and everyone is so nice and it feels like you're playing like a, a show. Um, so it just gave me the confidence to be like, okay, I think I can, I think I can do this on my own. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. That's cool that it worked out that way for you. And, uh, I mean, I'm not just saying it just to build on it for the sake of it, but it, it really is like the best open mic I think I've ever played. Um, I have a lot of really positive things to say about uh, Gage, but um, mostly Rory, um, who works there, bartends and was uh, oh, infamously right. yeah in the hot tub limo back yeah. in the day. Um, and just what they're doing for like 
for music and really, um, I don't know, like you're saying, they're just supportive and it's a, it's a good environment and it's almost like you're tucked away in a little jazz club that used to be a grocery store that's now also a bar and it's just like, it's fun. It's cool. It's definitely a different culture. Like I have like my people down at like 49 West in Annapolis and then I have like my people at Cult Classic and yeah. um, it's just like different families, like different support systems and yeah, like it's but and Doug who does sound is just super great. Um, and well, like he doesn't give out compliments liberally, but like when you get like a compliment <laughs> from Doug, you're like, you know, you did good. Yeah. So it's, it's just like this sort of family that gets built up over time. Um, and like I think Rory and Gage and I and a couple other people are playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons at some point for the nice. first time. So it'll be it'll be an interesting experience, but I'm kind of excited for that. Yep. Rory might be the only person I've ever heard of that'll probably play Dungeons and Dragons in his overalls. I'm pretty confident yeah. of that. Have you played Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> I have not. I've uh I've had some some friends who are into it, but I have never dipped my toes into the water. Would Looks like try? fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I love. Yeah, I love board games. I've always kind of oh, really? grown up on those yeah, as a kid. What's your so. favorite board game? Uh, it depends. I'd say if it's like family, then uh, probably Sorry is like our family game. Oh. Uh, but I don't know. I'll play whatever. We invented board games too as kids. We would just like make stuff up. We were weirdos. Like, you know, homeschoolers. Or I like to say unschoolers. Homeschooled? So, uh, predominantly. What's... I was homeschooled. Oh, awesome. Homeschooled third through eighth grade. Nice. I love like telling people that I'm homeschooled after I've known them for a while, and then being like, "Could you tell?" Yeah. <laughs> I can tell. You're doing yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I usually don't lead off with it. I'm sure you yeah. know how it goes, but no, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it was fine. It was like we had our own little like homeschooler community, and incidentally, like almost all of them. I, have played music or are currently playing music in some way, shape, or form, I feel like, because it's just like, I don't know if you just have more time to be creative or whatever it is. There's just something in the water, maybe, but... Yeah, like, I think that's it. I think, like, you have the freedom to explore your own interests instead of being, like, confined to, like, an after-school activity or something. Yeah. You're kind of doing whatever you want, and you can explore it as far as you you can i mean like i attribute homeschooling to like why i'm able to do what i do now like why i have the confidence to do what i do now yeah because uh, like i took piano lessons and i took voice lessons and i like got a guitar and like ukulele and just you know random stuff at the time yeah. having to do it was important and the confidence yeah. of no middle school yeah kids who are like you shouldn't do that <laughs> you're bad yeah i mean i really could talk about it for a while and like i certainly would hate to like i don't know talk about regular school or people who go to regular school as as like missing out on something but like yeah it's i don't know it's a tremendous luxury really to have the time because i feel like personally i was like all right let's get done whatever the county needs us to get done you know learn some math problems, whatever, check the boxes, and then let me go play guitar. 
And then I'm just like, let me lock myself in my room for the next eight hours so I can learn this Van Halen solo or, or whatever. And so for sure. once that, once I, once I did get released out into the wild with, you know, regular kids or whatever outside the homeschooler group, they're like, wow, like <laughs> you uh, definitely spent some time on that or something like there's definitely like an adjustment period. Um, like high school was like freshman year was just, Oh my God. Yeah. We, we don't talk about it, but no. <laughs> um, I, I do appreciate again, being humbled by everyone in my freshman class. That was yeah. really, and now I think I'm like the perfect amount of normal where I'm just not normal, but yeah. I'm like the acceptably normal because I'm a musician and I've never met a normal musician in my life. So it's like, it doesn't Oh matter. yeah, definitely not. But, nah, nobody wants to be boring, fit in with everybody else. It's not that much fun, so. That's very funny that you're homeschooled, though, or you were homeschooled. Yeah, like I said, I don't mess, what? I feel like I don't meet, like, a ton of homeschoolers. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, a lot of us just don't lead off with that, so you don't always know. Um, we're but, a little self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We know the but, content. Nah, it's cool. And plus, these days, it's kind of in vogue. I don't know. With everything going on, it's like kids got to stay home anyway. So Everyone homeschooled, so everyone yeah. was homeschooled at some point. <laughs> so. But, uh, yeah, I'll probably uh, let you get on to the show here. Um, I'm glad we could finally do this. Yeah, no, it was definitely fun. Obviously, you're welcome back on anytime, especially, like, you know, when the uh the album does drop as the kids say um i was gonna say probably feature cannibal i guess on this episode right um yeah think... sure. cool so did you, did... i'm trying to think because i listened to i listened to the gauge podcast did yeah. you put his, like one of his kensington clips on or was it just his album I'd have to go back and check, honestly. I really liked his one song. Now I'm spacing on what the name of it was, but he's got one. Um, I think it was just whatever he sent me. It might have been the Kensington uh, session. Yeah, because I was about uh, to say, if you want to feature Cannibal, and then I can send you some, like, one of the songs from Kensington. Okay. Yeah, let's just do them both, you know. That works yeah. for me. Me too cool the name of the song was fast talker uh, yeah that's I, a good one. I like that one um but yeah uh other than that i'll uh i'll see you all right it was good talking to you brad you too bye so yeah i want to thank daphne for coming on the show and thank you for listening once again the song you're hearing in the background is called cannibal and you can definitely check it out on itunes spotify Bandcamp, or wherever you like to listen to music so have a good week Spit back in your bowl Cause all I wanted to do is touch your skin But that would mean you'd have to let me in So while I feel your teeth sink in my flesh I remember once you said you loved me best